And I'm Lindsay. And this is episode 7 of Ningyo Bingo. Where you keep collecting dolls, but never seem to win the game. And recently, I realized that I lost the game harder. Oh, don't you bring that up now. Don't you start with that that ancient thing of the days, oh, about 2009. No, no, not that not game. Not that game. Not that game. Oh, not, not that game. Not that game. No, the, though now I lost the game. Thanks, Lindsay. And all of our listeners, too. I'm just thinking of all you guys. Sorry. Um, wow, we just brought that back from, like, the dead. We, like, pulled the nails out of the crypt to to, to bring that back to you. Um, <laughs> the game Did I we... lost was the collector's game. Because I... Oh no, Becca. Becca, you lost the collector's game. What did you do? Well, you never seemed to win the game. I guess I didn't quite lose. I just didn't win because I recently have become interested in uh, Lolita, Gothic Lolita, Sweet Lolita, Chocolate Lolita, which is totally a thing. Um, And I recently... That's such a deep hole you're going down. You're going down so deep. It goes so far. The money's there's so much money. Don't don't worry. I only go down this hole. Uh, it's a very very sl- long spelunk like like one dress every other year or something kind of d- delve into this. <laughs> I only have three dresses so far, um, and and lace market is a wonder. Um, so I learned that last year, a very oh, very small company called uh what is it um more you're the one who ordered from them muna no i didn't order from them because i didn't even know they existed yet so there's actually a collaboration between a doll artist and this small japanese company morna Muna stoic morun uh yeah i'm trying to read muna yeah morun a crossover with muna stoa yeah yeah, it's mms-web.net if you guys want to look at this thing. And they released a, a dress called Rose Garden Doll that has pictures of ball-jointed dolls in vignettes. And they even have matching tights for it. And I didn't know about it until this year, and it was released last year. And oh no, that is too long for the world of Gothic Lolita these days. Yeah, no, it was actually went on clearance and it's already gone. Well, and there you go. Yeah, and it's such a small brand. I don't, I, I highly doubt, there's like even a smaller chance that anyone within the, the United States or even Europe possibly that even bought one of these. So I'll probably never see it. <laughs> womp womp. You can, you, there must always be a grail. Um, there yeah. is no life without the chase. This is what we know. This is what makes us collectors. The chase is eternal, and we must always have something out of reach. Uh, speaking of which, one of the first things that I, I wanted that was out of reach was an elf lishy. Oh, goodness. That takes me back to, I don't know, 2000? 2004? 2006? Something around there? Yeah, actually, today's episode, which I don't quite... No, what we shall, uh, what we shall name. Well, think of a clever name after. A clever name shall be created. But for right now, we're pretty sure it's going to be two episodes, just to warn you up front. Because we have a long and sordid history with which to go through. 
Um, for, for now, perhaps we'll, we'll, you know, I think I'm going to use this naming convention for, for a few of our, our product episodes coming up, our, our branding episodes. Why don't we just go with, what's the deal with Cerberus Project in Delph? That sounds like a nice, straightforward way to tell people that everyone's very confused about this. <laughs> and yes. it's really hard to find information on it. Um, if you're not familiar with the history of ball-jointed doll fandom, there was quite a thing that happened around 2007. Um, it was, yeah, right around then, wasn't it? Um... I think we, we started to see something happening in 2007, looking at my notes. It was 2011 when it really happened, and the collecting world went, what the heck just happened? The, 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 it, 2008 saw the, the first uh, discontinuation. Um, so, so oh, let's, yes. So let's talk about Lutz. Lutz, yes. Let's so, talk about it. Oh. Ah. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let let's talk about Cerberus Project and Lutz and how that came to be. Um, a long, long time ago, long ago, my dear children, <laughs> there was a company that came onto the scene in the wake of Volks called Lutz, and or Lutz. I, I know I'm saying it incorrectly. It's based off of a Korean word because it's a Korean company. And that's part of what was very interesting about it is because we had Volks, which is our major sort of foundational Japanese company that really brought the resin doll into existence. And we had Lutz a few years later making their own resin dolls in the same style and with the same sensibilities. This time the company is in Korea. It's one of the biggest companies in Korea today and it was very foundational in terms of that market. Uh, to be noted uh, at the time that the other major third one, which was another country, would be Doll Zone in China. Um, today, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about them another time. But basically, what we're going to want to do today is we want to start looking at the history and the evolution of companies within the doll hobby because the information really isn't gathered anywhere. You really have to hunt down clues and put them together to figure out what is the evolution of the industry of the ball jointed doll the resin ball jointed doll and the best way to do that is to take a good look at these companies where did they come from how did they evolve how did they change and it's all tied in up with how did the dolls themselves evolve and how they've been changing over the past 10 or 20 years or so this fairly young hobby yes and uh and we get to see kind of how the companies start reacting to trends and demands and other things. Uh, talking about sources, I'd like to uh, give a little uh, uh, shout out to shout out, yeah, shout out to uh, I believe Google's owned Wayback Machine, uh, without which I could never have put together a lot of the uh, information and dates about uh, Lutz from E Lutz's website. I'd also like to give a shout out to Cerberus Project for keeping a nice, neat, uh, detailed, dated uh, blog of releases on their website. And, um, well, I should say Fairyland for doing that and Cerberus Project for doing the same thing on uh, their uh, website uh, blog. <laughs> We're already starting to get into where this gets confusing because... Well, we're going to be explaining this in a moment, but Service Project, Lutz, 
and Fairyland are very much interconnected and related to each other. But they're all different. <laughs> they're all very different. They're different, but they're almost interrelatedly interdependent upon each other. And we're going to do our best to sort of untangle things for you. Yes. But to talk about Lutz and to talk about Fairyland, first we have to talk about a company, well, not a company, it's a company is the wrong word, a circle called Cerberus Project. What's a circle? <laughs> All right, first question. Circle, I'm using this here in the Japanese term, which is basically a club for people with a similar interest or hobby. For example, an after-school club or a club at a college would be called the, for example, soccer circle or the Aikido circle. It's a group of people who have a similar interest and hobby and get together to do that hobby. So there is something in English that uses that same wording, which would be a knitting circle. Exactly. Uh -huh. Think of it like a knitting circle, only instead of knitting, we're making resin half-naked women. Um, eventually, guys. <laughs> but if we're talking about Service Project, we have to go back to my earliest record I could find of their work, which is 2002, as per their website that gives you a really nice timeline of all the products that they've made. And Service Project is a very famous Korean sculptor group amongst the garage kit and figure collector circles. Ah, so, so they actually had some similar roots as the sculptors that uh, eventually worked for Volks. Exactly. That was a, a thing that I found very interesting, is that the more you look at the history of the company and the history of the hobby, the more it's very obvious that ball-jointed dolls come out of the garage kit system, so to nice. speak. It's coming out of those hobbyists, which explains a lot about the customization bent of it. In a lot of ways, ball-jointed dolls are taking from the doll sort of history of the doll and being making the ball and the ball-jointed doll and the te technology of that. But in another way, it's the true father or parent, to not be too gender essentialist about it, the parent of the BJD hobby is the resin small amateur in his garage making kits for people to make and paint on their own. It's them that is really the parent to the industry. And Service Project was a very famous, was, is still a very famous sculptor group who came onto the scene in 2002. And I have to admit, it's very hard to find information in English or Japanese that goes back in any detail about the history of Service Project because it's Korean. Yeah. And I don't speak Korean. <laughs> This is a failing of mine. I don't speak Korean, so I can't sneak on into the Korean web depths to try to find more precise information about like what they were doing and where do they come from and who are the sculptors and where is all this coming from. So but now, at least <laughs> now you know the limitations of our sources. We have language limitations. We have uh, partially non-existent or changed websites, um, and uh, we're relying off of blogs, many of which are. Uh, uh, woefully Google translated. Uh, in this, we will try our best to recreate for you the story that is Cerberus Project. And if I ever get that word wrong, and I hope I haven't yet, my husband will never let me f live it down because now it's going to be recorded for all posterity. Um, <laughs> do you have a Do you have a history of saying Cerberus wrong, Becca? Yeah. Yes, I say Cer 
for uh, instead of Cerberus. C- Cerebus? Oh, you kind of skip over. I said over, Cerebus. Uh, yeah, Cerberus. I need to not. As in, like, cerebral as opposed to the magical creature. Magical creature of awesomeness, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So that's a long way of saying Cerberus Project started out as a bunch of guys in a, a resin garage kit circle who made statues and my personal guess all of this is a prelude to say i am making a guess i'm making an educated guess this is my guess that i can't substantiate because i can't find any goddamn information on it that's okay <laughs> is Go for it. that they broke onto the garage resin garage kits scene by taking statues and small like small batches of kits that they made to wonder fez what is wonder and all right Glad that you asked, Becca. Wonder Fez is a famous... I'm trying to figure out what the quite the right terminology would be for it. Convention is not the word. Is it like a toy fair? No. <laughs> it's mm. much more like Comicet. It's like a fan-driven content thing. Like, primarily it's imagine with... that yeah. you've, you're going to your local arts and crafts festival in your hometown. Where it's local people who make small batches of something they very specifically made by hand to sell because they don't exist. Only instead of it being an arts and crafts festival, it's a bunch of people behind long tables all lined up together selling you these homemade garage kits. Cool. So... So I go there to make all these- get all these small batch of lovingly fan-made naked ladies. Basically. Fabulous. Bring on the boobs. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> um, I actually have, like, a, a, a slight um, digression, which is what we're here for, really, is to digress in a hopefully entertaining manner. I have- alright, so we've had a few discussions about Amy Ayase and Lindsay and how I have a <laughs> little bit back. of a- a thing with her. No, I mean, she came back only in theme, not in actual content. Because there's another thing for which Lindsay has a quiet little, every time I try to actually obtain this thing, I am somehow thwarted one way or another. Which is related instead to Tiger and Bunny. I was about to say, it's either gotta be Sayuki, Tiger, and Bunny. Or one, one of the two. And it happened to there's be Tiger a- and Bunny. There's a small circle, sculpting garage kit circle, that does a very specific Tiger and Bunny release of these beautifully sculpted um, busts and heads with, like, interchangeable eyes and different kinds of faceplates with different expressions, and I want them so badly. It's like a Unoa. It's very Unoa-like, only the scale is, like, fashion doll scale. Huh. Because So you can put these heads on, like, the fashion doll bodies if you really wanted to, and I really want to, and I had this whole plan because normally Wonder Fez occurs when I am working. When I was working in Japan, I was not able to go, and then I was planning to leave Japan to come back to America, and I went, all right, I have this plan. Wonder Fez is, like, two days before I am leaving this country. I am going to go to Wonderfest. I am going to get into the very long line. I'm going to try my very gosh darn best to get this thing. Um, the purpose of the story is to give you an image of what Wonderfest is like. And I was all prepared to like stand in line for three hours so I could be first in the door in this giant hall filled with creators who are selling these things so I can get this one thing that I've just been hankering about since I first saw pictures of them first developing it three years ago. And... And all my plans had to change, and I wasn't able to go. 
Oh. And he, the story is this, is if you don't get it, these are very limited release. Wonderfez is the place that Garage Kit's people sell their things. You cannot buy them any other way. They're very limited. It's very hard to get. So imagine this situation and Cerberus Project comes into the scene. And they have dedicated sculptors that are, they, all, everyone goes by pseudonyms because this is fandom and you're trying to kind of protect your real life and the fandom life from each other because we're making sculpts of potentially questionable things. Besides, this is their sculpting circle, which implies that that's what they did on the side, not necessarily what they did to earn a living. Exactly. I, my impression is that initially this was probably a small time thing. And in 2002, Cerberus Project, as a circle from Korea, went to Wonderfez. And they had four female sculpts that you can still see on their website, which is CerberusProject.com. They went there, they showed them. They were a gigantic hit because of the quality and the expression and the sheer and the sense of like these are really beautifully made things so i'm assuming coming up to this time in 2002 when we actually start having record online of their sculpts i can only imagine they had been working for a long time as amateur sculptors in korea within the korea sphere of collectors and then went to japan specifically for wonderfest because that's how big wonderfest is for this hobby oh they okay. started showing and they are famous sculptors now like they are someone who's under high demand and what happens at wonderfest which is something i only found out recently doing research for this is that sometimes what happens is that a small amateur group as wonderfest itself has grown in size and visibility and the industry has partnered more and more with this what was initially a fandom thing and it's now very much like Comicet is. It is still mostly a fandom thing, but it also has large companies coming into the event and sponsoring the event and pres- doing their own limited releases of their own sculpts there. Can, can I take a guess and it's something like a, 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 a football scout or something like that happened? Exactly. Um, what will happen is if a sculpt seems to be extraordinarily popular or has like hits the right branding, sometimes someone, certain companies who do the mass product produced versions of the kits, or will do like full sculpted kits with pre painted like the more machine like big scale production lines, will go to a sculptor and say, "Hey, we want to license this. We're going to make a lot of it, or at least more than what the sculptor is making." And apparently with Cerberus Project, this happens a lot for them. Oh, wow. So So this is where you're starting to build a sort of an image of this. In particular, they all go by like internet handle names, for lack of a better term. And the person, the sculptor, who really is the one known for the Wonder Fez sculpts and is known as like, like, this is a name in garage kits, at least in the English-speaking um, collecting hobby, is his name, his or her name is French Doll. I've actually, that sounds familiar, and I've never even owned a garage kit. So. <laughs> exactly. So French Doll is very well known in this sort of sphere, and French Doll has been, it's in a way like being a small-time writer and then getting published after you self-publish your novel. Hmm. By like Random House comes over, is like, no, we want to actually publish, publish your novel, even though it's been like self published. 
there's a company called Yamato, and there's a few other companies that very regularly pick up the work that French Doll and Cerberus Project in general do. Interesting. So in this way, I'm guessing this is where Lutz uh, came into contact with Cerberus Project. I can only imagine that this, uh, them being such high-profile people in the garage resin kit hobby... And considering how Volks itself developed from individuals who were in the garage resin kit hobby in Japan being picked up by a major publishing company, so to speak, called Volks. Yeah. Which is where Volks, Volks history comes from. We're going to be talking to you about this in a different episode, so this is a little preview. I can only imagine that we had a company called Lutz which has been in existence previous to them really doing the resin ball-jointed doll thing in the way that we understand it today. Because I, I have them noted as, like, earliest notes of Fairyland itself existing from, like, 2000. Doing, like, being a distributor of certain things. Not quite yet in the ball-jointed doll part of the business, but being a distributor. Okay, but uh, you, you Somewhere mentioned Fairyland. It's did Fairyland existed? No, no. I just I I read you, the thing because it was on a page next okay. to a number so, that is not related so, to each other. So Lutz, Lutz, Lutz existed from two thousand or so. Okay, and uh, digging into the Wayback Machine, at least the English language website, I probably could have dug back a little bit more on the URL of the uh, the uh, Korean language website. Uh, existed at least as early as two thousand and four, if not earlier. Um, yes. Notable of this site, and as time went on, is it doesn't only uh, hold the Delph lines sculpted by Cerberus Project. It also hold held uh, Eiffel House lines, um, smaller uh, vinyl dolls, um, pull ups, and things like that. So they were they're almost more of a distributor in a way. But their main line of dolls that they ended up distributing was the Delphs, Lutz Delphs. They, 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 it was um, it was like saying it was theirs. It comes off of a portmanteau of some words together, if I remember correctly. It's like BJD Elf Delph is like sort of where it comes from, if I recall, but I don't remember. Well, in fact, uh, some of their first limiteds uh, were the uh, Elf, uh, L, Lishi, and Shiwu. Uh, unlike the Volks at the time, these ones were notice, notable for having less childlike and more adult, lith, um, teenager-like uh, statures. Um, so even when you compare their bodies to the SD-13s, they, they're much more adult and more like, uh, more like somebody that went through puberty kind of proportions kind of thing. And all of this really makes sense considering that what we have is service project who is a circle of amateur semi like probably semi-professional at this point because of their popularity they probably were making a living out of it to a certain extent they're very popular in korea we have a korean company that's already trying distributing korean branded and chinese branded ball jointed dolls and you can kind of see in that situation how what might have occurred is let's went we have an opportunity here while maybe one of the sculptors in Cerberus Project is like, you know what, I'm really interested in figuring out the mechanics of this movement system, of the ball-jointed system. 
and then going in or even or even maybe service project was already developing this on their own in sort of like a hobby sort of pastime way and then went to Lutz or Lutz, something happened there that yes. we don't know what it was in which Lutz and service project made a contract between each other that service project will exclusively make this and sculpt will do all of that sculpting work and all of the engineering work for this product and Lutz will handle everything else. And um, of note of the, the body shapes as well, uh, the females had uh, two bust sizes. The larger one blew away everything that was uh, in resin, I, I believe kind of at the time, certainly the, the bulk Oh ones. yes, it was much more mature than anything else anyone had seen in the style at the time. Yes, and um, uh, in addition, uh, they also had their... Um, Mini Super Dolphy surrogates, which was their kid Delphs. That's the uh, the 40, 45 centimeter line, as opposed to the Delphs, which was the 60 centimeter line. Uh, by the end of 2005, they were also already being competitive within their resin tones, um, and they had released uh, a tan. Uh, uh, they were Lishy. one of the first tans. Um, no, if I not don't, the first. I got to look into when they folks had their sunlight skin but this tan was much darker um so they had tan lishi el shiwu so dark elf and chiwu um and these ones were a much darker uh, later on they had problems as time went on with the pigment in the skin as we've talked about before i believe with yellowing and uh because of the pigments of the reds and things in that brown spin it kind of made a, a green or weird color to it um that being because the um the red pigments were less color fast than the greens that were used to create the brown they were known for releasing uh you could buy the dolls in two different versions uh for the adults you could have one that was called the special uh Invokes dreaming was what they referred to an eye with partially closed or fully closed eyes in uh, it was always most mostly closed eyes in the Delphs and it was called a special you got one body you could always buy the body separate and you got two heads and with this special version you got one, two expressions one with the eyes fully opened and one with them mostly closed like they were dreaming or just barely awake or really needed some coffee um gosh that's one of my favorite kind of sculpts too yes there's just something very delicate and interesting about the shape of the eyes and i'm also not particularly fond of the super wide-eyed yes um, aesthetic personally so for me it was like the lutz dreaming face was really keen for me now, that one of their first uh, sculpts was Ari, and uh, one of the first limited releases for her was the winking Ari with one eye closed. Uh, she was This very... was amazing at the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it was kind of cool, because it was kind of around, you know, a time or things like that with changing faceplates, except it was just, yeah. uh, it was one whole new doll rather than a faceplate system or a whole new head. Um, but she very much had the wide-eyed kind of Volks uh, kind of uh, sculpt um stylization uh later in 2005 we also had uh full package dolls which were semi-limited runs as much as they could make not so much that they said that there was a limited amount to start with eventually they had limiteds like that as well 
Gosh, that's another moment of Lindsay's regrets of not having anything resembling the ability to purchase it at the time. But I'm not quite sure when the moon was released with Fairyland. It was near the end of the CP run. It was probably around 2006 because moons were only ever released with the one-touch neck piece, which I'll describe later. Oh, that's right, because we had the Type 1 and Type 2 bodies that we went through while Cerberus Project was yes. still part of Lutz. Um, but yes, then, so we'll, we'll, then I'll, I'll mention the moon in my regrets about not getting the special for however long it was open for. Yes. Later. <laughs> well, it was called it was called Redemption the Moon, and it was um. Oh, a, yeah. It was a nice blend between punk and like a Chingham kind of outfit, Chinese inspired. Um, uh, cool thing on the E Lutz website is you could always buy um. Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name of it, but the the Korean traditional garb for the ladies with all the layers and the beautiful bright colors. Um. But later in 2005... Uh, it's called a hambok. Hambok, thank you. Uh, a section of dolls was released called Lutz Fairyland. This was the introduction of what we now know as Minifay. Uh, instead so of when the, was that exactly? Uh, as far as I could get it close, it would be later 2005. So probably September, October, November, uh, later in the year. A lot of the times they correspond there... Um, releases with uh, either their summer specials or their winter um, ordering because they'll do things and this is where we get special heads um, they either have a they were also one of the few early companies that did special event heads like yes where you had to spend a certain amount of money and then you would receive as part of your package a special limited edition version of either an existing sculpt or a new one which are often referred to as jury um, 06 for the year, or jury something or other. Or jury is a Korean word for like special or extra. I'm not quite sure which. It's actually, the, uh, one of them is like a, a word for the, the new year. It's a jury, and I'm forgetting the other one. But there's one for the summer, and the, the two names correspond with both of them. Uh, and uh, basically, these uh, mini fey were the same size as the uh, Kid Delph line, so that 40-45 centimeter size, except they were the same proportions as their adult Delph line. So um, it was really the first company line to do that kind of proportioning in that scale. Right. So they 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 miniaturized it, um, which was which was fun and it was nice. Um, they were also known for their, like, uh, Volks occasionally did kind of punkish outfits and everything. These guys routinely did things that looked like they were straight out of J-Rock with leathers and bolts and, like, uh, grommets and everything else. Um, they I were think very much um, dis becoming distinct from Volks by going into an aesthetic and an older aesthetic and a slightly edgier aesthetic than the one that Volks traditionally has ever been willing to be associated with. Yeah, one of my regrets is never purchasing Armadillo Queen, which if you Google that, you'll see why, because it would be perfect for my, my Lishy. Um, so that kind of gets us through 2005. 2006, like I mentioned before, we got introduced to the one-touch neck piece and what was called then the Type 2 corresponding body. Uh, oh, actually, Becca, here's a thought that I really wish I'd brought up when you were mentioning Minifee. At this point in time in 2007... Mm -hmm. When the mini fee came into production, did we see the double joint in them at that time? 
No, it was strictly a miniaturization. So they still had the the hip joints on the boys, and they actually also had the uh, the hip joints on the girls. So the which pop- was like incredible at the time. Well, it, it's a different sort of stability than having the be able to shift the weight by your um, the waist right underneath the yes. cage. And by the time they were introducing the type two bodies corresponding with it in two thousand and six. Uh, one of the type two bodies they released for the um, for the ladies also had that same um, hip joint, um, and uh, notably also in uh, well, well, let's talk a little bit more about this one touch neck piece. The neck piece is kind of very unique because rather than having to what was previously done in most dolls, either have a a donut. But you pull the S-hook with the elastic out and hook into the donut so it doesn't fall into the body. Or to actually pull it all the way out, like on the original Volks, hook it into a, a hole in the head cap, which then pressures, pulls the head cap closed, and there's no magnets or anything holding that closed. They actually had a twist and key mechanism, both for the head cap, which you could twist on and off and required no magnets, and then also um, on the head, the neck piece was now a two-piece neck piece, and this will be a little hard to explain. But uh, imagine, imagine a toggle on top of a toggle. So you pull the whole thing through the head; it sits very nicely in place. Then you turn the one toggle uh, uh, 90 degrees. And it locks into place because it no longer fits through the hole that allowed the head to go on it in the first place. Uh, what this allowed was for easy changes of heads and characters and even easy changing of um, outfits. Because you no longer had to unstring a doll to put on an outfit if the head hole was too small. You just took off the head easily without unstringing anything. And it was quite, quite lovely. Um, it's really, um, you're starting to see something that we're going to see later when we start talking about Fairyland and Mo- Fairyland. And you guys will understand the connection between all of this, the CP thing and this Delve thing we're talking about once we get a little further along. And then we can talk about Fairyland a little bit. Because we're already seeing the sculptors from Cerberus Project thinking about how can we make it easier for someone to change things about the doll there was no expectation that the doll would be made and then stay that way for a long period of time or at least that it not that it wouldn't be that we don't need to make it less difficult they're already saying we want to make it easy to change the eyes we want to make it easy to remove the head so that we can have clothes that don't require openings in the back so that you wouldn't have to remove the head to put something over the head so to speak it's really like you're starting to see that philosophy in the way the sculpting is being done so they're both uh, enhancing play for the people that are buying the dolls. And in addition, they're enhancing their competition by saying, ha, we got this, what you got now, Volks. Um, so it's a very And there's a thing. very much a direct competition between what they're doing and what Volks was doing as the two major companies in the two major co- countries at the time. Yes, and we can we can talk that, about that a little bit more in the, the as we see how in the timeline, this timeline will eventually line up a little bit with Volks and how they react to things. Um, Finally, by uh, June of 2006, we have our first full custom service-like service from uh, E. Lutz. 
or LUTs, I should say, because both websites would have it, which is called Fairyland My Choice, in which you could choose, uh, I believe, bus sizes and uh, which head you would pick. Um, so it would help you get the doll you wanted, which, you know, in our, our lovely hobby, you always want to be able to customize yourself. Um, and up to this point, the idea that you would have to custom order the body and the head together was a new idea. Yes, otherwise you'd be you'd be doing group orders, ordering the body, or like, you know, you'd have to order the... Well, that, that we even had a diversity of bodies where that was required to go through this process. Right, like they, they had two bus sizes. Granted, Volks has three, I think, standard on their SD-13s. Oh, yeah. But um, as opposed to the, the Volks where you had to at this point in time, I believe, kind of buy it all together. You could always buy And you had heads. to buy it in country. That was another big part. You could always buy certain heads separate. There's certain heads I think you'd only buy separate. Um, and you could always buy the body separate. You can buy extra um, neck donuts, as they are called, and some such. So in 2007, uh, we actually get a first new line of Delphs that we've seen in a long, long time. Uh, that's in May, and we see the Senior Delph. Oh, that's right, the Senior Delph, which was, I feel like, partly coming out of how we had an increasing and increasing demand in the hobby for an, a more adult, a more masculine sort of figure, in particular because we've had for a long time the Custom House Hound, which is one of the first tall guys. Yeah, not to mention that Volks released their first SD-16 boy, Yuki, Yukin Nojo Sawag Sawaragi. Sawaragi? Yeah, let's try that. Try that Sawa again. Right. Yukin Nojo Sawaragi in December 25th of 2005. Um, and here we are, uh, beginning of 2007, and we got our senior delts. They're very similar. And uh, they started off with single joints, so eventually they did get a body update to Eventually. double joints, yes. Um, uh, double the, joints of a sort, anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh, at this time was the time when uh, Volks really started to, well, 2005, started playing with the double joints. Yeah. To which, uh, of course, once again, uh, they said, oh, Volks, you got you got a better posing ability now? You got you got that happening? Well, Demoya did kind of had it on it first, but... You know, when Volks does something, people better start competing harder. So they said, well, guess what? Now we have our type 3 body. What now, Volks? This was in August of 2007. Was type 3 when we start seeing the that Lutz is now doing in-house sculpting of the bodies versus what Cerberus Project is doing? Yes. So this is actually right when we see the type 3 body is pretty much also the launch of the Fairyland independent website. Um, so so around August-ish is the type 3 body. Um, and one of the things I recall happening is because you have to imagine, us as collectors, at least in the English-speaking side, we had no idea really about the clear connection between Service Project and Delph. And what we started to see was that between the type one and the type two body, something the joints had changed a little bit, and the head the head's locking system had changed 
but the basic sculpt of the body itself, the details of the body, hadn't changed. But with the Type 3, something else had changed, and it was obvious, it's also in the types of heads that were being released, that there was a shift in who the primary sculptor was. Well, not quite yet. Or we, is that um, my a little ahead of us? You're a little ahead because uh, I would say around the second releases of the Senior Delphs, this starts happening, and the Super Senior Delph. But what does also happen in this year, um, 2007, around May, is we get our first blog post of introducing people on the Fairyland website. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Which <laughs> is now known as Feeple 70. Feeple 70 and the uh, Delph Type 3 um, male body, there was never a Type 3 female body. Well, I shouldn't say never, because there's now one on the website. <clears throat> but at the time, there it, what in the timeline we're talking about, there it was the male body that was like, getting the Type 3. There was never a Delph released with the Type 3 body jointing on the Lutz website. That was reserved for later on the Fairyland website. So this is the point where you start to see there being a little bit of a split between um, Cerberus Project creating their own projects via the Fairyland name on a separate website. Previously this name was just kind of used to be referred to the Minifay. And, of course, uh, they're still introducing new things, new sculpts on the uh, Lutz website. Also, later in this year, uh, the Zuzu Delph, which is an anthropomorphic smaller um, doll, was released here. Not the first of its type by any means. I think Peepos kind of uh, was ahead of that on the game. But once again, they're like, oh, Peepos, you want to do that? We're going to do it harder. Um, though, I don't Which is really the history of Lutz is responding or trying to get ahead of whatever what's very popular at the time elsewhere in the doll collecting community right so so this is really where we begin to see this split um later in 2007 as well on the fairyland website uh we have the introduction of a totally new scale which was the Pookie Pookies. I have one of those. It's the Pookie Pookie Pookiesha, which is actually a cat-faced uh, doll uh, coming in at a whopping 11 centimeters. To give you an idea of the Volk standard, that's about the same size as their uh, Ray Tenchi. To give you an idea of a common American doll, that's about the size of a Kelly doll. And in fact, they can share clothes and even shoes. Ah, they're not very high quality clothing by any means, but there's certainly a diverse amount that you can buy for little money. Um, you can get clothing packs. Um, they're getting scarcer at this point, but because I don't think they, they do that many releases just for the Kelly dolls um, clothing anymore. But regardless, uh, we start to see them launch one line and then another line on the Fairyland website, which begs the question, we have Cerberus Project sculpting for LUTs, but they're also sculpting things that are being released on a website called Cerberus Project Fairyland. What is Fairyland? And at the same time, if you look at Cerberus Project, the garage kit circle, which is still active during this time, they're still making work at this time, they're still a thing, even to this day, they're still a garage kit thing that happens at Wonderfez regularly. 
they're spreading into jointed offerings at Wonderfest. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, the jointing is not restricted to the ball-jointed dolls, and it's not just the ball-jointed dolls. They're using sort of either, like, the Revel Tech systems or similar action figure We're talking action figure scale, like the Figma scale, the SH figure art scale, where they're making, for example, uh, from Persona 3, the android blonde woman. I guess... Yeah, they made several of her with work with a full um, jointing system, a la Figma. Oh, nice! I actually I have the Figma version, and she's quite cool. So you can sort of see the thinking there in Service Project as just themselves, as the sculptors doing their work that is then presented at Wonderfez and in other different situations as they're licensing out to other companies to make multiples of them. While meanwhile, we have at the same time. A company called Lutz that had been selling Cerberus Project sculpts and had licensed the sculpts from them for a certain period of time. But now in 2007, we also have Cerberus Project Fairyland, which is not the same as the Cerberus Project that does garage kits, but it is the Cerberus Project that does ball-jointed dolls, but there's also Lutz, but they're different things on both websites. What is happening anymore? Okay, so is so like we said, Lutz is a distributor. Cerberus Project is a sculpting group. So is Fairyland another distributor? I think the best way to imagine it is that Cerberus Project wanted to do their own work and the contract with Lutz was running out. The licensing contract for them to use their sculpting was running out. And they must have been in negotiations around this time to see, are we going to renew our contract? What are we doing? So Cerberus Project said, we can handle it ourselves. We've built our name. We've built this brand. We have the clout. This is all me just conjecturing what must right. have been happening. And so they start branching out in dimensions that don't infringe upon their agreements with Lutz to test we have these new ideas and we have these new sculpts we want to try to sell but we want it to be for ourselves without having to have that secondary distributor so we're going to create a company called fairyland and service project the sculpting circle shall continue to be what we are but now we have a dedicated branded company to do all the things for us that lutz was doing for us so that it becomes their their own little company that's their doll distributing division of a sort. Exactly. To the best that we can understand it. <laughs> yes. So, of course, by late 2007, they have two sizes that don't compete at all, really, with the um, sizes or brands on the Lutz website. We have the Feeple 70s. And we have the Pookie Pookies, very, very big and lanky, might I add. Not, nothing like the beefy uh, SD16s or the, the Senior Delphs. And then we also have the Pookie Pookies, which are very, very tiny, much tinier and lither, with the really cool double-jointing system, uh, smaller than the Zuzu Delphs and not animals, other than the Pookiesha, but even then, a little different. Um, <clears throat> then uh, January of 2008... Mini Fay sales end on the Lutz website. 
They're just gone. Yes, so they're discontinued. And not much longer, um, by January 25th, we have the launch of the Mini Fay on the um, other website. So it ends on the 14th of January, starts on the 25th of January on the Fairyland site. Yeah, this is when everybody goes, oh shit, they're pulling out! They're pulling out! Emergency! Get your sculpts now because you don't know what's going to be remaining. In fact, uh, it wasn't for a while before Lishi was uh, introduced for the 60s, but we'll get there. Um, but at the time, in everyone was going, what happened? Who got mad at who? Did some drama go down? Why are they pulling out from over here and now they have their own website over there? What kind of argument on? Was there a licensing issue? Was there a copyright issue? Was there a sculptor issue? What was going on? No. And there was a lot of questions going around, mostly coming out of that question of, wait, does that mean that all of these sculpts, and these are very, very popular sculpts, the Cerberus Project, Lutz Combo sculpts, those faces... The Shiwu in particular, um, I the L in particular were just huge in the fandom, and a lot of people like really coveted them. And now it was like we have to know what's going on so we know what to expect. So, so the drama happened a little later in September. First, I'll mention in March they released their own a la carte system, uh, which change uh, you know same thing you could order all the pieces uh, eventually they they redesigned the mini face body and the like to make it um a little better that's actually next year but let's get back to september on september the 18th they announced a breakaway limited package breakaway was previously it's basically an l with slightly separated lips because it was originally released on the lutz website with, to be able to hold a cigarette between the limps, lips, once again, for that more was adult that kind of look. Was that what that was about? I didn't yes. actually know that at the time. I had no also, idea. It also gave him, I, I believe that was it. I, I could be totally wrong, wow. but I remember seeing this sev- the, the image several times. Um, and it, it gave him a slightly different uh, image, and he was only released a few times, and he was highly coveted. Um... On September 19th, on the Fairyland website, an apology to Lutz personnel was posted. Oh, that's <laughs> because... right. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> because I apparently there was not a clear understanding of the ownership of the sculpts or how limiteds would be treated and released as one was pulled from one website to the other. It um, wasn't clear when... on their contracts about the limited availability of these sculpts to only Lutz, whether or not that was included or not included. Um, in the in the uh, notification and the apology, it did list that there was that each release of the Breakaway was slightly different. Uh, notably, the most recent release of the Breakaway included the One Touch system, which was totally different than any of the ones before it. So yeah. Um, there was also, um, part of the issue that got caught up in all this is the moon sculpt, which we had mentioned earlier, which is my grail sculpt, which I do actually kind of own. Um, two of. 
too. Well, I own the jury something something. I forget. I always forget the year of the jury faces I have. I basically have the moon with elf ears with the eyes slightly shut, which is a combination of all the things I love. And this is all Becca's fault, actually. But that yes. was my grail. And the moment that I had started thinking, because I currently had a job at the time, you know what? I haven't looked at Delph's website in a long time. I think I could actually probably afford a moon. And one of my dreams, like, one of my personal goals is to get a, a doll direct from company, like, fresh with, like, the whole whole shebang with it, which is so, as in a thing I still have yet to actually accomplish. And I went to the website, and it went sold out, and I was like, but the moon wasn't particularly a popular sculpt, and the special edition in particular was not a very popular edition, and I'm like, what happened? And then I started looking into what was going on, and I went, gosh darn it the moment the moment i was really financially in a place to catch the moon and the moon is probably never going to be released by fairyland because of the same uh, issues that we're talking about here because i do believe that the moon was a co-sculpted sculpt between lots and service project in such a way that service project doesn't own any rights to it However, they did release a moon that was an elf moon that was unique that they released as a bonus to some of the people that first bought the um, bodies or or one of the promotions for the Feeple 70. That's actually where your uh, sleepy-eyed elf moon came from. No, that's Uh, from... um, Mine is from the Lutz editions. Oh, okay. Because they actually also released it from... Uh, the Fairyland side as a bonus, you could choose between. They were they were a jury. One of they were the other side of the jury event of the moon shaped eyed uh, faceplate. Yes, so you could actually pick between two heads when you ordered uh, a certain amount yeah. of stuff. And uh, I actually sold one at one point. Ironically, uh, you could have had it a lot earlier. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the other jury, but this particular jury is what I'm a fan of. That was back. That was definitely a Lutz one. But we're never really because of all of these issues. Never really going to get. We've seen we've seen a few of the popular old sculpts, L and Shu, for example, reappear as mini fey versions and things like that over the years. But we're never going to get a moon. I'm going to have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will never get my fresh moon, which is all part of this. I'm going to just stew on that for a while. In October, Fairyland uh, released their little fey, which was kind of actually uh, <laughs> one of the first. Um, I want to say the first because Bambacroni also had some, but it was. Uh, a very nicely done, once again with their amazing double joints, also with integrated magnets for option parts, 25 centimeter uh, doll uh, like I said, around YoSD size right, um, right meanwhile uh, 2008 over at Lutz um, as everybody was leaving, they were introducing uh, new uh, lines as well this is when we see their super uh their se- I'm sorry, this is when we see their Senior Delph Type 2, which is the introduction of the double joints on the, uh, the well, different sort of double joints. No longer can they have the Cerberus Project style double joints, so these are back to the Peanut style rest of the world double joints, unfortunately. But we <laughs> well, were seeing... to me, unfortunately. <laughs> I know for Becca this was a terrible, terrible moment. But for a lot of the people who do the collecting, seeing these kinds of really flexible double joints in the size that it was, at the price points and accessibility that it was, because folks up until now 
really wasn't available abroad unless you did some really nice shenanigans in order to obtain them. In terms of the SD-16s and the, what, the, what they were experimenting with jointing, Fairyland was really the first major easily accessible... Well, at the time it wasn't super easily accessible because early Fairyland is a funny place. But it was available in a certain aesthetic that was very in high demand plus the double jointing and this was a big deal yes it was as opposed to the sd16s which were only released as uh limited releases um the <clears throat> senior delf and then the senior delf type 2 with the double joints was a very adult aesthetic um, which now had the double joints that was a standard release that you could order at any darn time you pleased um october 2008 we have more of our anthropomorphic zuzu delfs except in one that's quite literally called mini me m-i-n-i-m-i -I -I. oh gosh um, yes um now 2009 <clears throat> over on fairyland side uh we have the the redo of the uh uh, mini Fay into the active line, which gives them the joints that are similar to their um, Pookie Fay, Pookie Pookie, and Feeple. And as we're going here, they're um, they're discontinuing. Eventually, they discontinued the Feeple seventy, and they're no longer available. Uh, as they get more lines that are more demanding, they just don't have enough personnel to keep making everything. So things cycle in and out, um, and sometimes just out. Uh, yeah, Fairyland in particular, in the early days of it, had a lot of problem keeping up with demand because I think their production was just as a new company where they didn't have weren't able to really invest too much overhead in the start into their machining and their having a diversity of products available through their factories and everything else. They just could not keep up. Yeah, 2009, they released even more products. Uh, May, they had their Pookie Fae line, which was about 13 to 14 centimeters about, which was somewhere in between their 25 centimeter Little Fae and their 11 centimeter Pookie Pookie. September, they had their real Pookie line, which kind of um, brings into the fore the, the Western kind of fairy sculpts and things that you would find... Uh, kind of going into an east meets west situation and looking at fairy sculpts but of course a lot more detailed um and so that's what they had going and of course Lutz was like all right the writing's on the wall here we got to create our own 60 centimeter line and so in the summer of 2009 they released their junior delfs now these ones in addition to um some of the later uh, senior delfs, they're obviously sculpted by different sculptors. You can tell in the face and everything else that it looks just different. The aesthetic had shifted, and it's much more, I would say, a little less... The, the design is a little less hard-pushed and is a little less sharp than the original Service Project Lutz sculpts were. Yeah, you start to see uh, slightly less feminine faces in the most part, because you're looking at these things. You're looking at... Uh, uh, male, super males, and things like that. You get rounder uh, faces on the junior uh, Delfs than you've seen before on the senior Delfs, where you started off with uh, Delf Bliss, which would 
uh, most Western audiences would read as female, um, with the softness of the lines and the pointed chin, uh, you start to get like really angular kind of looking things, which was really cool actually. Um, so the junior delfs are smaller. They, I think they, I can't remember if they had a single double joint. Bad on me. But I believe they had a single joint and then later introduced a double joint because now we're on like, by now we're on like type four or five in terms of the bodies in general. Yeah, though the main type, um, the, eventually they ended up with delts of type uh, three, four, and five. Uh, four and five, basically the ones that happened after the double joints a la people 70, uh, had double joints and the main difference between one of the two types of the female bodies was actually rather than just saying it had two bus size options one's more one's more perky one's more bigger you know that kind of thing um so oh boy. 20, 2010 we have uh, on the fairyland side um in may we have the chic line which is once again oh, that's about- right they split that off didn't they yeah, the chic line was very interesting because it created a very realistic proportion doll, almost more similar to Eiffelhaus, but the scale of it was small. Uh, I think actually slightly smaller than their mini fay. Um, so these were very, they were designed to be resin. So we're talking fairyland here, correct? Yes, yes, right. fairyland. Um, so th- that was a. Uh, they didn't last that long. I guess it just didn't hit their um, customers' aesthetics. Um, it was very it, much in scale with the the fashion doll in terms of scale and giving a more mature body. But there was something about the aesthetics. It just wasn't filling in a, a unique enough niche for the certain people who came to them. Yes. However, in November, they released Feeple 65. Uh, with the introduction of Feeple 65, Feeple became Feeple 70. And uh, most notably, everybody else kind of saw the writing on the wall is, well, we're getting pretty darn close to that 60 centimeter mark here. When are the Delphs going to move over? Um, you know, that was the really the big question, because now that we had no longer any access to the true of the Cerberus Project Delphs, over on Let's's website. But we also didn't really have that 60 centimeter classic size on the Fairyland website. We're seeing the sizes starting to shrink and going, but wait, where is where are those classic really popular bodies and heads and what are we going to get out of Service Project who have been experimenting with jointing and bending and other things in ways that some other companies hadn't been. So it, it actually wasn't until November 16th of 2011 that the sales of Delphs were suspended on Lutz's website. Um, and with that, shortly thereafter, well, that was, you know, that was November 2011. Uh, July 2012, Feeple 60 is finally released on Fairyland's website. Um, it was a little while before all of the sculpts were kind of brought over and even then not all of them could be and we see uh gaps in this um so from here we kind of get into um what we see for our modern versions of both websites uh the um forgot to look up the date but eventually we had um 
super senior Delph, uh, even more adult looking. I guess the uh, answer, the SD17 released on the Lutz website. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and also in other companies, certain other companies have started doing larger and larger and larger, specifically male sculpts as well. So there was a trend currently moving through the industry. Um, 2014, we saw uh, the first promotional video uh, for the Feeple 65 Angelina of the Steam Age line uh, be released on YouTube. So this marks the time when they, uh, Fairyland started to get into the filmography and uh, start doing some pretty cool stuff to uh, do promotion videos for these guys, which did yeah, a lot to... It did a lot to... That's okay. Uh. It... it <laughs> It's been too um, long. We've been recording. At this point, my dear listeners, we have been recording quite a few episodes in a row trying to get a backlog going so we can have some nice regular updates. So both of our mouths are starting to get a little tired. Like, uh, what what the promotion videos did was, uh, it wasn't something I've really seen on a lot of releases of other dolls before. I don't know oh, if absolutely. they ever did them on their... I never saw anything like the taking advantage of sort of the YouTube style of, instead of we never saw commercials. Let's put it that yes. way. These, and, this was finally a commercial. And when you're buying things sight unseen over the internet, you don't get to see how the face looks really from every angle, how the light plays off it, um, how the textures of the fabric of a limited. You also don't see how things fit together because that was one thing that Service Project has always been doing. It's like finding ways to how does this accessory fit in? How do we get a different arm on here? That kind of yes. thing. And, and later on, a lot of the promotion videos actually did focus on just how you could play with your doll, how you could take apart your doll and things like that. Um, 2015, they released their uh, uh, Real Fay, um, which is, uh, once again, more of uh, their animal parts ones. Uh, so it's kind of like a fairy introduction, which brings us into a very much of a feeling like the I was it the Eiffel House Limiteds? Yeah, with animal yeah. parts and things like that. And there's a lot going into, like, how can we make it easy to exchange parts of the body so we can have the specialty parts that Zoom had always been very popular for. Those, like, very fantastic arms and legs and wings and things like that. They're starting to find new ways to roll that into what they're presenting to us. Yes, and uh, uh, the Yo Tenchi always had the uh, the magnets for the wings, and Bambacroni also had a uh, fairy and angel wings attached. But the uh, now Fairyland's getting into putting magnets just about everywhere. The the hands magnet attached once again for ease of use for play, because if something has a very narrow uh, wrist or sleeve, you don't no longer have to wrestle it past the fingers and hope you don't break one. You just take the hand off. Um, which is can also be a downside because rather than having something with a hook that's tensioned in, you just have a magnet, and goodness sakes, you can lose a hand. <laughs> and Quite literally, a hand just goes flying across the room abruptly, or a foot, or some other limb may be... Because I do believe with the people 60s, um, they have... Their arms are not strung... The, the string does not go from wrist to wrist. It goes very differently. I'm, I'm not sure if that was the people 60, but definitely the people 65. There was actually a way that the 
torso pushed back on the arm so the arms could interchange. And one of them had a, a limited edition arm with kind of scarring and things that you could paint into it for that arm. Uh, eventually, there was also uh, either a robot arm or a, a claw arm, dragon arm or something. A dragon for the arm, male. I think it was. Yeah, that was for the guy, I think. Gosh, um, I still kind of want that one. So, <laughs> eventually, even though the chic, chic line had come and gone for Fairyland, uh, Lutz actually released model Delfs somewhat recently, within the last year or two. Uh, similar idea, smaller scale, adult, um, realistic proportion looking people, kind of more fashion dolly. Uh, meanwhile, Cerberus Project in Fairyland has kind of almost gone full circle um and in july of this year there's been a release from love live tojo nozum no tojo nozomi tojo um, nozomi <laughs> and you can of course look at this um uh promotion video on their web on their youtube site and it was of course released for wonder festival 2016 summer so now <laughs> we have it Cerberus project started originally as a Korean sculptor circle for Wonderfez doing either figures like Figma style or statue for years of beautiful young women more or less most of the time. And now we have Fairyland back service project coming back to Wonder Festival and they've been doing Wonder Festival this whole time. A French doll, that sculptor, has always been doing Wonder Festival. They're very popular at Wonder Festival. That person of that circle is always working on them. Um, different sculptors tend to do the body as well as the heads if you start looking for it. Um, G.O. is the, the body sculptor for Service Project for the Fairyland lines when you can find any attributions. Um, Hay is the person who does all the faces for Mini Fee and most of the other styles on the Fairyland website. So Go and Hay are really doing the Fairyland end of things. French Doll is doing the Wonder Fez things. And if I am not mistaken, I do believe that our Wonderfest release, lovely young lady using the mini fae body, has a face sculpted by French doll. That would make sense because this the face is much more of the traditional anime doll face rather than the uh, stylized uh, super dolphy. I shouldn't say super dolphy. Asian ball jointed doll face. And accordingly, she was only sold at Wonderfest. And she is just as limited as you might imagine. And it was so popular, they st they made another and different um, Love Live Girl this year. Oh my. Um, well, that was this year, so I, maybe maybe the uh, fall one. It was Katori. Katori was last year. Oh, well, and then. And, and then Kojo they did Nozomi, who's like the second most popular. So you really. They're coming back through to the original sculpting roots, really coming back to Wonderfez. And they're kind of using what they learned in their dolls and going, hey, both these things are awesome figures and our dolls. Let's put out the, the fan base of the characters from our figures and smush it together with our dolls and sell it. So they're, they're having so fun if you, with that. So if you were wondering why they suddenly had this very different head face sculpting style doll come out in a limited way at Wonderfez, that's why it came out at Wonderfez. <laughs> yes. So, so that is the story of Lutz, Cerberus Project, and Fairyland, pretty much up to present here. We might have missed a few things along the way. We might have missed a few dates up. but And we also may have maybe gotten some things confused because there's only so much information and a little bit of guesswork has to go into it. 
So if you know we got something wrong, or if you know something that we don't, and you want to drop us a line about some information that we might have missed, we're available on the website and on the web in various places. We have a blog spot at ningyobingo.blogspot.com. That's ningyo i n n i rather I can't spell today. My goodness, friends. N i n g y o b-i-n-g-o dot blogspot dot com. You can also find us on Facebook at Nino Bingo again at Facebook. And we're also on Twitter at Nino Bingo. And of course you can find our uh, well you can find our video uh, website <laughs> video podcasts or webcasts haha that's easier to say on YouTube <laughs> at Nino Bingo. Uh, but you can also find our audio podcasts at Stitcher, and of course on iTunes. So, um, as you save up for your brandy new, uh, maybe, trip to Japan and trip to Wonderfest, or maybe just an easy... If only. If only. <laughs> or maybe oh. just... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> me and Wonderfest. Me... It's like me and certain Japan events just have, like, I have, like, this love-hate relationship. <laughs> or or maybe you're just saving up for your next stand release or hoping for the next uh, really cool full set release from either Fairyland or Lutz. Remember to keep on collecting dolls. But keep a budget. 